Good morning, you all, fellow Earthlings. I'm having my cereal right now, cereal with peanut butter, and it's raining outside. And um, if you heard the bongo in the start, that is because I wanted to make a point about Richard Feynman, <laughs> and it seemed quite appropriate. Feynman loved to play the bongos, and um, it was his favorite instrument. And even at the age of like even two years before his death, he was still playing um, uh, the bongo. And he has the song called Orange Juice. So if you've not checked out Feynman playing the bongos, YouTube um, Orange Juice. It's really fun. And I think Feynman is a great example for someone who showed a very human side to doing science and um, to the the entire process of curiosity. Uh, I think he was such a great example for someone who's, who was simple and humble and, uh, you know, they just went ahead and opened new gateways in physics simply because of their ability to ask questions well and then have the persistence in answering them in the pursuit of the truth. So um, I think I really resonated with him when I first read his books back in high school. Um, his way of asking questions was very, very similar to how I had started asking questions by then. And I just resonated with his methodology of diving into a topic and then just sort of um, completely understanding it um, till you know what is happening. And that's also called the Feynman technique and you can use it for studying. But for me, it was this very way of thinking. Everything that I saw was um, a new domain for me, a new possibility for asking questions. And that got me very excited. So I was really excited about science as a child. And um, I think I was like 12 and I told my mom I wanted to be a space scientist. And I'm kind of still holding on to that um, as a career plan. So anyway, uh, I wanted to talk about um, uh, how I just started reading something today and it led me through this train of questions and I thought it would be fun to just share that with you. Um, so I was reading Introductory um, Mobile Communications and they spoke about, of course, they spoke about radio frequencies and radio waves and transmitters and antennas and antennas on moving cars and all kinds of things. and. I don't really have advanced knowledge in um, technical matters, but it got me thinking about a very basic thing. You know, the radio waves that you're intercepting while you drive your car and you listen to a music. If I told you, if I told someone it was possible, um, say 250 years ago, it would be just shocking. It would be pretty much just magic because you're turning thin air or whatever into a song. And it got me thinking about how disorganized the space around you is. It's so chaotic and this crazy imbroglio and our technology still manages to intercept um, information from these electromagnetic waves and it does it pretty accurately, you know, because if you really think about it, the air is full of jiggling atoms and noise and radiation from so many other sources, including the sun and all kinds of stuff and cosmic rays and whatnot. And you still have antennas that do their job pretty damn well. And it can pick out that single frequency from the air and then it converts that into music or conversation or whatever. And it got me thinking about how that uh, is pretty similar to vision uh, and how crazy vision is. Like the fact that you can see at all 
it's pretty it's pretty wild because you know the air is full of like these jiggling molecules and dust particles floating around and different radiation and you can still see an object with quite a high precision and that's how you know it's there and when i walk down the hallway i know i'm not going to bump into anything because i can see the objects i can see the well defined edges and corners of the object even even through this dazzling chaos that the air around me is so it really goes to say how in our minds we think it is simple and we think it is everything is by textbook and that it's an ideal world but it's so uh, far from that in reality and there's just so so much of mess around you all the time and it still somehow works out your brain still has developed um so well in in uh, intercepting information from your surroundings it's able to sort of transcend all that messiness and still help you and i think um thinking about sense organs kind of led me to another thought process and i was thinking about how hearing um the the process of hearing is very similar to the process of touch like if you could touch a vibrating membrane for example you would feel it right and or you would feel temperature for instance that's the jiggling of molecules of of the substance but then hearing is like this wireless touch like you're you're away from an object but then if it vibrates hard enough then the air transmits the vibration to you and the brain can make sense of it so i was thinking maybe god is not so creative after all he just created extensions of certain sense organs but if i was god i would have definitely not thought of the nose i mean the sense of smell is just almost bizarre if you really think about it there are these molecules entering two holes on your face and then they are i don't know getting captured by like the olfactory epithelium and suddenly you can distinguish coffee in the kitchen you know so many meters away from the garbage dump in your backyard and you can clearly distinguish between those smells you can distinguish subtle differences in fragrances and it's i don't know it's crazy but again if you think about it i think the nose is really an extension of um the sense of taste because if i put a substance on your tongue then it's in contact and that contact creates reactions and you are able to you know taste it but similarly wireless taste <laughs> would be the nose because the molecules are sort of floating and there is no direct contact between you and the object but there is direct contact between you and the molecules of the object carried by the air so yeah they're pretty much extensions of one another but vision is still way out of the league you know it resembles nothing else and yet what we see is such a tiny fraction of the electromagnetic spectrum i mean our bandwidth is something like 300 nanometers and the electromagnetic spectrum is just huge i mean have you heard of mantis shrimps they're really cool they have some of the most complex eyes in the animal kingdom and they can distinguish between polarized light that's like a whole new dimension of vision imagine that and that only thinking if you could not use any of your sense organs to sense a certain object does the object really exist you see i know there are radio frequencies even though i cannot see them um i know they exist the waves because the antenna is an extension of my eyesight right it transmits and um captures the waves just like my eyes does 
So if I cannot um, perceive something with either my sense organs or extensions of my sense organs, does it really exist? Think dark matter. What the hell is that? I mean, if, okay, all right. So it does have, I don't know if you can say it has mass, but it definitely responds to gravity. So it is able to experience and produce gravitational um, forces, right? But it just passes through you. I mean, if you're sitting there right now on your couch, there are particles of dark matter just speeding across the room and through you. And, you know, they don't interact with anything, so they're just zipping past. But yet, you, you can't feel a thing. You cannot smell or taste dark matter. You can't even hear dark matter. It's just, you just have to believe there is something out there. And then you think, I mean, what is its problem? It can experience gravitational forces, so it must have mass. So how is it that I can't feel something with mass? I, I don't know. When I say feel, I don't mean feel with my hands, but even with the machine, there must be something, you know. So it, I think it's really it redefines the definition sort of of what it means for an object to exist. You know, and I think thinking about trippy shit like dark matter is just almost out of the definitions of reality that you've created for yourself. Um, that's pretty dope. But anyway, um, one day I really hope I will understand it. And it's just so fascinating to just imagine what the universe must be like if I could see through different eyes, if I could see through the eyes of someone who can perceive dark matter. Well, I guess I just wanted to leave you with um, the thought that it's really important to ask questions. And I think it divides us from the rest of the kingdom in that we not only are curious, but we also know there is information out there that is accessible um, that we do not know of. Um, and that, that notion that somebody else knows more than us and they can teach us, that's quite rare. And I think it puts you on a level where it's not just self-awareness, but the pursuit of the truth. Um, and that's very, very special. And if you're alone today and if you feel like, uh, I don't have anyone to talk to or something, just remember, solitude is a romance with the cosmos. Use whatever free time you have to be in love with the world and with your life. Fall in love again and, you know, get fascinated by small things. Get fascinated by that insect crawling up your ceiling. Get fascinated by your cup of coffee and... How when it when you blow on it, it gets colder. Think about entropy. Think about space time. Whatever you know, have fun, and never forget how unique and crazy it is that you exist. Don't forget that it's a freaking miracle. And um, Rumi has a thought that I thought I would I would share. And he always said, "Trade your cleverness for bewilderment." You know, once in a while, erase everything you know and look at the world through the eyes of an infant and just get um, bewildered, be in awe constantly. So I'll leave you with that. Have a great day ahead and never, ever stop asking questions. Bye-bye.